Hi, Richard. Hi. Hey, Serge. So uh, in this period where there is a lot of divisiveness, you wrote a book about how to deal with the divisiveness. And yes. you're obviously somebody who is very bothered by what happens when we get caught by that. Yes, I think that's true, Serge. I, I really uh, am bothered by it. And I actually believe that everyone is bothered by it, and, but in different ways. And one of the things that happens is that when we get caught in divisiveness, we feel justified, like we have a position and those other guys are wrong and we're right. However, we often don't realize the cost to ourselves, the cost to our own emotional well-being and the cost even to our feelings of happiness and contentment. So one of, one of the things I talk about a lot in my book is, is how when we get caught in, in divisiveness, we get caught in uh, anger with the other side. Well, sometimes we don't use the word anger. Some, it might be more like um, frustration or annoyance. Or we, we have a, no, a number of words that are, uh, come from anger. Or we get very fearful. Oh my God, what are these guys going to do? What are they going to do to our country? What's going to happen? What's going to happen if we, uh, if our side loses the election? So all these fears I live in a state of fear or anger, then uh, unless it's very short term, we walk around with a disturbed state of mind, uh, which is not conducive to contentment or happiness or peacefulness. Right. No, we're rattled. Our minds are rattled. Our bodies are rattled, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I think divisiveness is, is actually very um, harmful to, uh, to, to actually to everybody. But so I want to, to, to highlight something there, that you're changing the terms of the question. Uh, okay. Sometimes we talk about divisiveness as, oh, divisiveness is not a good thing, or uh, morally you should try to not be uh, in such a place. But yes. what you're doing is you're changing the terms and you say, wait a minute, it's not so much about um, it's a good or bad way to deal with it in the, from the outside, but look at the cost it has inside. Look at how much uh, of an impact it has on your life and yeah. how you are doing a disservice to yourself when you get caught in the divisiveness. Yeah, Th thank you for that, Serge. The, I think if we get moral about it, or moralistic about it, then um, it, it, people just get angry and resentful. They, you know, don't tell me what to think. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how I should feel. So um, I don't think it works very well to take a, a, a moral or moralistic point of view. So um, I think it's much more helpful to look, okay, what are, the, what are the costs to me? What are the benefits and what are the costs? And I think one thing that I would like to say, and, and I like this analogy, um, because I, I, I have been in a situation where I once saw a, I, I was 10 years old. Um, this is a bit of a digression, but I'll come back to your question, okay? <laughs> so I was, I was 10 years old, and um, I was living in Uganda, Africa, because my, my dad was a researcher on mosquitoes. And a family took me and my sister out to see some lions. And 
there was another car right next to us and uh, there was this pride of lions just sitting, lying very peacefully in the grass and the male lion was in the forefront kind of protecting the pride and the male lion was half asleep it seemed, eyes kind of half closed and it was a very beautiful scene and then for some unknown reason the guy in the other car opens his car door which is not a smart thing to do. The, the lion, the male lion, within a millisecond, springs up 12 feet in the air. This is from a completely recumbent position. Springs up 12 feet in the air. And uh, at that point, the, the man, terrified, uh, tries to close his door. And then the, the lion lands again with a roar and you can see the dust, the African dust, kind of uh, spreading around as his feet land on the ground. And it's, it's a, an awe-inspiring sight, the power and the strength. And there's no question in my 10-year-old mind that if that lion had sprung forwards rather than just going up in the air, that man could not have possibly got back in his car in time. He would have been dead. And so <laughs> the reason I bring up the lion, I mean, I, I was super impressed. And I was thinking, well... That's, an, that's a, an image I'll never forget. But that lion, if it had been uh, sprung forward in anger and aggression, it would have killed him. Or it could have sprung backwards in fear. And actually, it was so, somewhere in between that, it just sprang straight up and made a very powerful statement, <laughs> which was very effective. Right. <laughs> so the point of the lion story is, is that um, if we're faced with, with immense danger, like the primordial danger of a lion chasing us. Our anger and our fear are incredibly useful. I'm not putting down anger or fear at all. They are very useful. So our, our anger uh, tells our body uh, to secrete uh, various hormones that increase our strength, increase our breathing, increase our muscular power. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, and also reduce uh, the energy in our, in our guts, and reduce the energy in our immune system. And when they reduce the energy in our guts, that's why we feel queasy when we're at and you think about it, it's a, it's a very intelligent choice because if you're running from a lion, um, you don't want to be focused on your digestive system. You want to be focused on avoiding being digested by the lion. So mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the point is that the anger and fear are primordial and very useful. The problem for us human beings is that very often uh, there is, most often, there, there is no lion, there is no physical danger. And then we have an image of our mind of an enemy, which we kind of create in our minds. And then we have the same physiological reaction and it damages us. It damages us emotionally, but also it damages us physically. Because you think about it, if, if you are chronically in a state of anger with the other side, then all the uh, effects on your guts, for example, mean that your digestion is affected. All the effects on your immune system, where your immune system is reacted, is, is, is um, inactivated, of course, make you more liable to get diseases and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, and, what, you're, what you're talking about here is yeah. uh, to say, um, when we talk about disagreements, when we talk about uh, pol being polarized, 
We're yeah. not just talking about something that's an abstraction. We're talking about the fact that the way a disagreement manifests is yeah. in physiological effects that have to do with the sense of threat. And these yeah. physiological effects are useful when there is an actual threat that can be fought yes. uh, with physical force or runaway form in, in a physical way. But in a situation such as a political disagreement is actually using an enormous amount of energy that wreaks havoc in our system. Yes, I, you have preceded what I've said beautifully. Thank you. And I, I, that's, that's exactly right. That's how, that's how I think of it. And uh, I'm just going to add that when we hold uh, our frustration and anger long term, it actually has a uh, effect on our bodies that can actually damage us, damage us. And there are long-term studies that show that people who are chronically more hostile or have more anger, that those people actually die earlier than people who are, don't have hostility. And that's been shown many, many times. So we're talking about um, big stuff here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has yeah. an effect. And the other, the other thing I want to add to that, it also affects our minds. And the other uh, more modern research shows that when we hold anger or fear, we shut down the intelligent part of our brains. And that's been measured on uh, various MRI machines and so on, whereby the, uh, not just the blood flow, but the actual uh, size and, and uh, connectedness of the brain diminishes when uh, of the intelligent brain diminishes when we dwell in in fear and anger so yes I think it's a great idea if we can reduce our chronic fear and anger and yeah. I, and I'm not saying it's always easy that there's uh, no 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 but what you're ways saying, of doing this you know what you're so. saying super clearly is a sense of um, look what you're doing to yourself when you're yeah. reacting in a triggered way uh, yes. You are shutting yourself off from the resources you value, your intelligent brain, your mindful brain. Yes. And you're damaging your body long term. You're increasing your chances of dying earlier than you would have. So yeah. big, big, big prize. <laughs> big, big prize, yeah. And then we add to that is another prize, which is, uh, and I'm sure everyone has noticed this, that if I'm angry with somebody, they're going to get angry back. And, and it's, just, it's just such a human thing. Um, it's a very animal thing. If, if, you, if somebody feels my anger, they're going to defend themselves. And they're going to defend themselves either with fear or with anger. So the more we're angry, the more other people will be angry. And that really spreads to society. And of course, the, it spreads because the, the media stir it up because uh, Angus really does sell copy, no question, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that sense of, you know, we, you know, as an individual, there's always this, the, the response of, I didn't start it, it started without me. But what we're talking about here is, even if you don't start it, when you break the pattern, uh, you actually free yourself from being in that spiral. Yes, exactly, yes. So one of the things I talk about in my book, actually, it's a main part of my book, is how to get out of that spiral. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, 
I, I admit, because I, I have been in that spiral myself and um, many times in my life, and um, it's so easy to get into it. I mean, I, I think of an example um, of having a, a fight with my wife, right? And I, I, I'm uh, in those moments, if, if, if I spiral into, into anger uh, or judgment, um, and obviously those two are very connected, uh, I completely lose my compassion, my tenderness, um, my, my good feeling, my memories of all the great times we've had, it all disappears because the, the anger takes over. And if, if I can remember that during an argument, which, I, which I'm much better at now than I was, I, I, can, I can make a change. And I can, I can say to myself, hey, Richard, what are you doing? You, <laughs> you don't need to go this way. And a, a little, that little pause, oh my goodness, makes so much difference, you know. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, whereas our battles might have been, you know, um, hours long in the past, uh, very often they are minutes long or even less now. Yeah, because we yeah. both developed the capacity to pause and recognize uh, what's going on in us and, hey, wait a minute, I don't need to go this way. I don't need to lose my compassion for this person who I, I know I love. Yeah, yeah, but so what you're talking about is that capacity to have an observing self, and that is to not be drawn into the drama, but to have at least a little part that's able to remember that there's more to life than that, there's more to the relationship than that. Yes. To so not be drawn into the drama of the present moment. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think with, um, with political and social situations, it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes even harder in a particular kind of way because we, we justify our position. And, um, and it's not that it's, there's anything wrong with having a, a position or, or having an opinion um, or doing what we can to, even for, you, we can fight for our opinion or fight for our political position or, or vote or do what we want to do without getting drawn into the, uh, the anger and the fear. Yeah, and so that's a big point, that um, the alternative is not to give in, the alternative is not to just uh, admit defeat, but is, we're talking about actually being better able, being more effective uh, in getting what is important than yeah. if we were going into that cycle of anger. Yes, yes. So. Uh, sometimes um, there's a, a concept that, it, okay, if, if I'm not angry and I'm not polarized, as you said, it, it might mean just giving in. Um, or it also might mean being avoidant and, and, you know, sitting on a mountaintop and meditating and, and saying, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to be above everything. I'm not going to take part in it. And I, I, I think what I'm saying, what I'm hearing you, you saying too, is no, we, we can actually... Um, change our state and through doing that we can be even more effective yes i, I really believe that that when we're not angry and not fearful uh we can have a much greater chance of being more effective socially and politically which yeah. is awesome you know so it's, yeah. it's such a win-win situation because we feel better and we're more effective <laughs> and yeah. the people around us feel better 
it's it's such a it's a win-win-win situation so yeah 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 that's pretty cool yeah it's very cool so so let's talk a little bit about how we are able to shift from that focus on you know dangerous threat i have to annihilate the threat to yeah. ah you know i can yeah. give myself more room well one of the steps and I, I have a chapter on this in my book is is simply to reduce the amount of polarized information that's coming into our brains so um, we have news that's uh, very powerful and has a big effect on us and when it's political news and it's polarized news then that is feeding the polarization within us for, for most of us and one of the things simple things we can do is um, change the timing of the news we take in uh, change the amount of news we take in and change the quality of the news we take in so with the timing um, I, I have uh, been taught and learned uh, from my own experience that one of the uh, worst things I can do is listen to the news late at night. And actually, there's a little digression. I'll come back to the main point. When what prompted me to start writing this book was that I woke up one day at one night at uh, two o'clock in the morning and I was just furious. I was so angry and upset. And it, it was... Um, I was thinking, oh my God, it's a freaking mess out there, uh, referring to the, uh, the political situation. And it was a freaking mess in my own mind too, because I was angry, I was upset, um, and I couldn't sleep. And there and then I, I made this resolution that I would do every bit of research I could to find out how I can at least be in a decent state of mind uh, without the anger, without, without the worry, without the outrage. And, uh, and then I, I already believed that if I could do that, I would be more useful at what I did. So I certainly wasn't very useful lying awake uh, fretting. It didn't help my, me or anybody else. Right, right, right. And, but and so, that, that, re that research was actually the basis of, of, of my book. So that, that's, that's how, how it started. Yeah, yeah. So that sense of realizing it's a freaking mess out there, but it's also yeah. a freaking mess in there. Yes. As a result of digesting this. Exactly. And so, um, yes. you know, what you have first action on is your reactions to it. Yes. And digesting it. And part of dealing with this freaking mess outside is also kind of creating a sense of managing how much you're mainlining. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Mainlining is such a, a great term. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's great. Um, I love that. Yeah. So you can reduce your, your, your amount of mainlining of the news. And, and um, uh, so one of, the, one of the things, as I mentioned, is, is the timing. So... Uh, it's, I really recommend not uh, taking in news just before you go to bed. You carry it that into your sleep and, you, and it affects your quality of your sleep. Even if you don't wake up like I did at two o'clock in the morning, it affects the quality of your, of your sleep. 
Uh, it's, it's a well-known a well um, uh, psychological effect. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other thing is you can reduce the, the amount of news. And, and, and when we think about the news that we take in, it, it's amazing because it, it's, most of what we take in is repetition of what's just been said before. So you hear the news. And then two hours later, you hear someone's divisive opinion about that news. And then an hour later, you hear someone else's divisive opinion about that news or divisive opinion against the other divisive person. And so you, you just strung along, it's the same bit of news. Um, and, and you get strung along for days, for weeks. Um, so reducing the quantity of news, I, I, I don't think anyone needs to, uh, I, I'm not against, uh, hearing the news, I think it's great to be up to date. Um, but we don't really need it more than once a day. And some people do once a week. Um, and um, I think it was uh, oh, Emerson, right, said Ralph Waldo Emerson said, uh, uh, I don't read the times, I read the eternities. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, and there, there are a lot of people who, uh, including politicians, who, who have realized that reading the news is, is, is dangerous to your health. Anyway, so yes, you can do, reduce the quantity. And the other thing you, you can do, and, and if, if the news cycle is, is getting you down, is to take a news fast and, and uh, don't listen to any news for a week. And... It's an amazing thing, but what most people describe after the news fast is when they come back, nothing's changed. It's, it's the same old, slight variations, same old thing being repeated, 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 you know. Uh, of course, there are some exceptions, but generally that tends to be true. Um, so that's one possibility. And the, the, the third thing I mentioned, other than the timing of the news and the quantity of the news is the quality of the news. And, uh, it's very helpful to avoid uh, newspapers and TV programs and uh, news feeds, uh, social media that's divisive. And it's really good to carry in our minds, I think, that the, um, all these media, they make money through making you angry. And it's, it's, it's I, I know you, you know this, I, um, uh, it, it's, it's so powerful. Um, there, there are studies done on Facebook that, sh that show how, how, much you, how many billions are made through uh, deliberate creation of, of divisiveness. Yeah. And so if we know this is coming at us, then we can take precautions and say, well, wait a minute, this stuff is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So the, the image yeah. that it brings in is, you know, that image of the little squirrel in a cage uh, that keeps moving and uh, and stays in place, but keeps moving. Uh, right. And so imagining that this kind of movement generates say, energy. Uh, but in this case, that we're all like the squirrels in the cage and we're generating money for the media by yeah. uh, being activated. Yeah. And uh, that the force of the outrage, you know, generates this energy in the form, you know, money that feeds, you know, the the media world. Um, and that sense of, wait a minute, you know, we do want to move, but not stay in place while pretending to move. Yes. Well, he, here's the bargain that we're offered by not, I'm not going to say all the media, but by a lot of the media, here's the great bargain we're offered. 
uh, okay, um, I will make lots and lots of money. This is the media speaking, the media moguls speaking. And in exchange, you will feel angry or fearful and you might die earlier. And um, a pretty good deal, don't you think? Right. <laughs> and, and so again, we're not talking, I just want to, you know, super clarify, we've been very clear, but it's, we're not talking about just uh, uh, avoiding that uh, in order to remain avoidant of all engagement. Yes. We're talking exactly. about actually putting the energy where it's useful, as opposed exactly. to putting it where it just is simmering and harmful. Exactly. So we do need to know the news. We need, we need to get the information. And if we can get the information without the inflammation, information without inflammation. That's a good slogan. We're, information we're okay. without inflammation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the, the trick there. Yeah. But, yeah. but then, then people ask me, okay, that's all very well, but I'm already angry. I'm furious with these <laughs> These guys over there, and I'm just, what do I do with, the, with all the anger I've got? And so that, that brings up a whole another question, and, and that's another thing in, in, I deal a lot with in the book, is, okay, how do we actually um, change our angry state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what, one of the, um, th there's a quote from this, uh, uh, Greek philosopher who lived nearly 2,000 years ago called Epictetus and he said um, no one else can ever make you angry it is your own thoughts that make you angry and it's a very interesting quote because one of the strange things about that quote is that it makes people uh, some people very angry mm -hmm. which of course according to the quote is impossible so we have this, this very strange effect here. And, and I, 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 I do really understand this because it's, it's, our anger is so fast and our anger is faster than our, our minds. Yeah. And because the anger is so fast, it, it feels like we're, we're not in charge of it and we can't manage it. And so it feels like we, we don't create it and our thoughts don't get it. Um, um, and, and by the way, that in, in the lion situation, that is true. If a, lion, if a lion is charging you, you don't think. It's not very useful to think. You need to run. Right. Or to fight or whatever. Um, so in that situation, it's, it's thank goodness that the, uh, that the emotions are faster than, than the thoughts. However, if, if, we, if we have a long-term um, opinion about somebody or a political party and so on, and that political, uh, th those thoughts of uh, being against the other or being against the other party, um, those feed our anger long term. And um, so one of the things we can do is, is if, if we think, okay, it's my thought that's creating my anger, not what the other person's doing, um, how, how can I... How can I accept that that's true? So I once had this conversation with, with somebody and, uh, and he said exactly that to me. I, I, he said, I just, I just can't believe it. And he said, for instance, I, uh, oh, I asked him, I said, well, give me an example. He said, well, okay, 
So this politician has just lied and I'm furious about it. And so I said to him, okay, um, has this politician lied in the past? He said, yes, uh, many times. So I said, well, okay. So are there times where, where you feel very angry with a lie and other times when you feel less angry and other times when you get a lie and you don't feel angry? And he said, um, yeah, all three sometimes. Sometimes I feel really angry and sometimes I don't feel angry. So I said, okay, so if there are times when you don't feel angry and the politician has lied just as much, doesn't that imply that it's your choice whether you get angry or not? And that it's something to do with how you're reacting as opposed to what the other person's done? And don't politicians quite often lie? Anyway, the result of this, he said, he said okay, that's logical. I said, yeah, it's logical and, it, and it's true that we do have a, ultimately a choice. Now, is that choice easy? Not always, because sometimes our reactions are so automatic. And, um, you know, I just gave my example of waking up two o'clock in the morning, furious, right? But clearly that, that freaking mess in my own mind was created by what my mind did. Doesn't matter what anybody else did. Right, right, right. No. And so the, the question, the, the choice there is to say, okay, I'm feeling really activated and I am curious about whether I could change something in the way I'm reacting to it so that I could have a different response as opposed to my knee-jerk reaction. Exactly. So if, if we can take, if we can be, uh, have that curiosity um, and, uh, and actually there's, Two things you mentioned as a curiosity, which I think is really, really helpful. So it's a, a wonderful quality to develop in ourselves. And we all have that quality and we can simply develop it. And secondly, taking, taking the pause, taking the moment to ask that question before the knee-jerk reaction. And so those are very helpful beginnings. Yeah. Very, very helpful. yeah. So, so building in the pause before the pause, and it's impossible to, we're, we're on the same track. And the yes. pause makes room for the possibility of curiosity and of finding something different. Yes. And, and also, it, the pause opens us to taking responsibility for, for our own reactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, and then if, if, if we consider that as a possibility, okay, I am not a victim of this man lying. I am actually uh, a free human being who has a choice how I want to react to the unfairnesses in this world. Uh, just that statement alone is, is such a, a place of encouragement of freedom within ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a major point there, that the pause is not in order to do something that is uh, a morally right thing. It's actually yeah. to find the place of shifting from being a powerless victim to trying to see where there is some power to do something that feels right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, um, had, uh, you, you had mentioned to me- or, Having done that, if, if we had stayed- you, you had mentioned to me another time an example of you noticing some 
prejudices coming up for you as you were in the subway and actually <laughs> being a moment of such a pause. And I think that was a great example of that oh, yeah. internal journey. I want to maybe suggest that you talk about that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I was on the subway in New York and um, opposite me was a, was a man who, in my estimation, looked very morose. And I found myself judging this guy and uh, thinking of all the ways in which we were different. And I mean, I wasn't even, uh, I was hardly, my mind was on automatic, automatic judgment. And I was thinking of how we were different and, and uh, I, was, I was actually making up stories about this guy. I never met this guy in my life. I never heard him speak, nothing. But based on what I saw, I was imagining things about him that, that of course, uh, I couldn't know were true. But that's where my mind went. And then, uh, then there was a moment. I, maybe I did that for a minute. I don't know. Maybe two minutes. I don't know. And then I suddenly thought, hey, Richard, what are you doing? You don't know this guy. You've never met him before. You, you have no idea what kind of life he's led, what he's thinking now, or anything about him. Nothing. So then I, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to take a different tack. I'm going to think about all the things that we have in common. So then I, I deliberately took this stance and I, and I said to myself, okay, what we have in common. We both love to laugh. We uh, both enjoy respect. We uh, both love good food. We both love to be with people that we care about. And the list went on and on for maybe another minute. And I realized, this is the big realization for me, is that as soon as I started having these thoughts, I felt happier. The, the whole sense, I felt connected to this guy, who I never met, and I felt happier. And probably imperceptibly to me, I mean, I, I, I wasn't aware of this, I, I started smiling a little just, just with my own happiness. And then this guy, who I thought of was, as morose, he started to smile too. Right. And we never spoke a word to each other. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. And I thought, I thought, wow. And based on that, I, I, I developed an exercise which, which anyone can do which I believe uh, is a tremendous antidote to prejudice. And uh, the prejudice, I'm not just, talk, I'm not just talking about racial prejudice or, or any particular prejudice, I'm talking about any prejudice, um, that, that as soon as we focus on the, the commonality that we have with another human being, uh, prejudice just, it just evaporates. It, it becomes so much superfluous nonsense that's been made up in our minds. So that was a powerful moment for me on that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it's beautiful because it really exemplifies that the, there is a built-in tendency to be caught in that cycle. Um, yes. In this case, the guy looked morose to you, so it brought you in contact with your reaction to what is morose and you went on that track. And then there was that sense of a moment of pausing and yeah. shifting and engaging differently. 
And yep. then actually, it was not just something that happened in your mind because the result of it was changing how you were vis-a-vis -vis him and his perception. And he responded by being smiling as opposed yes. to prose. Yeah, so that's yeah. a beautiful example of that interaction. Thank you. And it was also a beautiful example to me of how our state uh, affects other people, mm -hmm. even on a subway. Mm -hmm. So if, if we are, um, if we're carrying anger or upset or fear um, or judgment, uh, our stance actually uh, affects those people around us, even if they don't ever speak to us or know us. And yeah. similarly, if, it, if we move to a habit, that also affects others. So it was a powerful example to me of that too. Yeah, so that's very related to what you were saying before, that moment of shifting from being a victim to seeing where you have the power. And so in that sense, seeing, oh, in a way, I'm a victim of this guy's morosity to, <laughs> wait a minute, I can change, and then I can actually affect him and in a good way. Yes. That's, uh, I'm going to add something there, Serge, which is this, uh, that I could also say well, I'm a victim of my own um, judgments and judgmental thoughts and, and right. you know, but, but actually I had a choice there too. I, had, I, I took the choice in that moment yeah. to, uh, to stop and pause yeah. and say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's not something I've always done. Sometimes I've, I've allowed those judgments just to continue in my mind and uh, which as we've already discussed is not helpful to me or anybody else. Right, right. But so that's a, that's a very nice way to, to talk about it in a way we're expanding this to a sense of through experience, uh, the, we develop the ability to notice that we have tendencies um, yeah. that can be isolating us, that can may make us feel more uh, aggressive, angry, judgmental, all of these different things. And yeah. developing the ability to have the pause and shifting uh, in order to have a sense of actually exercising a choice, exercising freedom to yeah. be different from the knee-jerk mode. Yes, yes. And I, I think if... if people don't recognize they have that choice, then they, their belief in themselves as a victim of their own processes uh, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Because then, um, because then, because they feel that, that they are controlled by these thoughts or the fears or the anger, then they also feel, um, well, there's nothing I can do about this. And, and, and because there's nothing I can do about it, of course, yes, it becomes true. Yeah. yeah. They do become controlled by those, those feelings. So uh, taking that step of um, recognizing the, our innate higher power, uh, if you like, mm -hmm. our innate um, uh, witnessing power, um, mm -hmm or power of mindfulness. There's many ways of, of, of expressing this, but if, if we can uh, take that power, we have so many more choices. That, that's the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we have so many more choices, yes, yes.
Yes. So that feels like a good place to end. I just want to check with you if that sort of feels okay with you. Yes, it does. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Serge. You're, you're such a pleasure to talk to. I, I, I thank you for your questions and, uh, and for also the way I, I, I feel like uh, everything I said, you were able to re reflect and, and uh, I just like the way the conversation moves. So thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. I enjoyed it as well. Cool. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.